Welcome to My Turn Podcast, a gaming podcast hosted by extra competitive siblings. Expect news, reviews, laughs and arguments as we take on games across all genres and platforms. My name's Jem and I'm joined by my littlest sibling, Erim. Hello, everybody. Hello, Erim. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm hot. It's pretty hot. Do you know boiling. what? It is boiling, <laughs> but I feel a lot better now. It is, um, you know, appropriate weather for the season, actually, because May was an absolute shit show. Yeah, May was like February, wasn't it? It was yes. awful. <laughs> um, yeah, so we are we are based in the UK, um, if you can't tell already. And um, yeah, we, we're kind of, we've been thrust from a probably eight month winter into a heat wave. So there was no kind of like <laughs> no <middle>. crossover, no. <laughs> yeah. <Just> straight in. <laughs> I literally went from wearing my sort of winter waterproof fur-lined North Face coat to wearing like a bikini. Yeah. I just yeah. I didn't get any t-shirt and jeans weather. It was no. just like <laughs> yeah. straight over. Went from three layers to shorts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or just no clothes, just no clothes, just a loincloth. <laughs> well, that's not um, safe for work I mean, that's now, what I want to wear. I just want to wear a loincloth. <laughs> it's not appropriate, I've been told. So there we go. <laughs> We've forgotten, um, you know, social rules uh, during the lockdown, I guess. We have to remember well, think- how to human again. Yeah, I think you're right, Erin. It's a bit like you're so used to being at home. You can just wear whatever you want. Yeah. And then now people can kind of over and stuff you're like yeah i better tidy up put some clothes on that's <laughs> <laughs> really weird that awkward moment when you host people and you're naked yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that um speaking of which today uh, yeah. i'm very excited erin about this because uh about a week ago we got together and played a board game you came to my house i yes. did put clothes on i can't <laughs> <laughs> jesus christ thank god <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm glad you remembered uh, we me. are siblings so it's not like <laughs> it's not like we haven't seen each other naked at some point when we were very small yeah probably about uh, 30 years ago <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> a lot has changed in a lot of ways since then <laughs> Um, yeah, I'd like to think things have changed a few ways since then. Um, but enough about our nudity. Um, so we actually got together in real life. We've had a break for a few weeks um, mm. following our really, really fun uh, crossover episode with the Horror Hangout podcast, where we talked exclusively about um, Resident Evil Village, which I spent two weeks playing nonstop. Um, so if you want to check that out, go back and have a listen to that. Uh, that was an excellent, excellent crossover episode. But we've had a little break since then. Erin's um, been really busy making music and things. And also socialising because, you know, we can do that now. And I haven't seen my friends in like a year and a half. So you've got to take advantage of it. Yeah, exactly. And um, I've socialised a bit. I've also been playing a lot of big big video games so i've been working my way through um cyberpunk i've got a fair chunk of that done now and also prey which i'm going to be talking about today um so i've been playing a lot of like longer video games in my downtime and also (laughs) as you say just being outside 
seeing people um, and yeah, doing some in real life board gaming, which is what we're going to probably start Yay. with today with our game reviews. So yes. what board game are we going to be talking about today, Erin? So we're going to be talking about the Lords of Waterdeep, um, which is a board game that you bought for myself, actually. And we've been for playing yourself. it or for myself, I beg your pardon. But it's for a board yourself. game I've been playing uh, pretty much nonstop during lockdown with uh, the other people living with me. But we, as us, have not had an opportunity to play it. And I know you're very excited to start playing board games again. So, yeah, we finally got together and gave it a go. And after we've um, done our review of Lords of Waterdeep, we are going to be talking about Prey, which is a video game, um, which I've been playing. So we've got two very different um, game renditions, I guess, for you today. Have, yes. So buckle up. It's going to be a good one. Uh, so, Erin, tell me about Lords of Waterdeep in a nutshell. Um, I'm probably going to do a shit job of this, I bet you. <laughs> it's kind I've got of... It up, I've got it up on the internet if you, if you <laughs> need me, me try, to give it Let me extra. try it and on, then you can correct on. me if I'm, I'm awful. So it, it is basically a turn-based resource collection game where your uh, objective is to get the most amount of victory points. And you can do this uh, through various ways, such as completing quests, building buildings... And also just collecting resources because each resource counts as a victory point. Did yeah, I do I a good that's job? Pretty good nutshell. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, really important question. What 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 flavour of nut was that? Would you say for Lords of Waterdeep? What kind oh, of nuts are they into? Well, how pedantic are you going to be? Because I'd say cashew. Yeah, I'm fine. Is cashew that. a nut? It's a ch- is it a tree? There, I mean, there's lots of subcategories. Where's isn't Bill there? M? <laughs> yeah, our, our other sibling would be straight on oh, this. Baby, it's um, actually a legume. It's a soft fruit type of nut. Well, it's nutty. I weirdly was reading about the cashews the other day and I've forgotten already. Oh, but yeah, um, off, on, off on a tangent here. You, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll... <laughs> it took all of like one minute. <laughs> Uh, welcome to my turn podcast. More of this <laughs> shall be um, here for your pleasure. Um, yeah, so Lords of Waterdeep uh, is described, uh, if you look at Wikipedia, as a German-style board game. German-style board game? What does this game? even mean? I don't know what that means. Um, but set in Waterdeep, which is a fictional city in the Forgotten Realms campaign setting, for the Dungeons and Dragons role-playing game. So this is part of the Dungeons and Dragons canon, so it's probably important to sort of say that at the top. Yeah. Um, Weird, and this... Weirdly, yeah, though, you know, you, you say it's part of Dungeons and Dragons, but it doesn't play like a Dungeons and Dragons game to me. It does Have you played Dungeons and Dragons before? I've only had limited um, experiences with it. Like, I've played it three times, but it's not really that genre of board game. Yeah, no, this is taken from one of the uh, Dungeons and Dragons settings, I believe. Oh. One of the realms. So um, my understanding of... There's a few board games that I think mm. have been... Basically, you know, like a spin-off series? Mm-hmm. Like on telly. Like, so, for example... Oh, you're probably too young to remember this. <laughs> but, for example, Buffy the Vampire Slayer had a spin-off series, which was Angel. Yeah, I do know of that, yeah, actually. Right, okay. I'm not so, that like, young. like a spin-off series. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, but yeah, a spin-off series. I don't know why my brain went straight to Buffy, but there you are. Um, but yeah, so this is kind of taking 
expanding upon um, a realm that exists mm. in Dungeons and Dragons. That's mm. my understanding of it. And I think that it's not the only one that's been done. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you, I'm not the most experienced at D&D and the full spectrum of what what that is and all yeah. the, the kind of versions of it. Um, I'm, I've am i been in a room with people playing it. Yeah. I'm going to say drunk because I don't really <laughs> remember. I would say Dungeons and Dragons is is more of a role play game, whereas this is yeah, it plays different. Is like I said, it's more of a resource collection, uh, turn based kind of you know a bit like um, what's the one Catan? I'd say it's almost yeah. like Catan mixed with Monopoly a little bit. <laughs> no, it's not. Like, I mean, yeah, kind of. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's very much a board game. It's not a role playing game in the sense that mm. a lot of the card tabletop card-based tabletop games um, are. Uh, yeah, so it's very much a board game. So what I would say, uh, as we start to talk about what our expectations mm. of this is, is that this was recommended to me following a kind of text messaging chat I had with um, a filmmaker I know called Kate Heron, who oh, yeah? just directed the Loki series on Disney+, Plus, which oh, wow. you should totally check out because it's amazing. But a few as years in, as ago, in Loki, um, Loki, um, yeah, Loki, Loki. What's it called? Avengers. Yeah, a oh, spin-off wow. character series from the Avengers. Ah, there we go, full circle. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember seeing that she was into board games or something. I just mm. remember there being a, an exchange of of us talking about board games, and she she was like, "Oh, Lords of Waterdeep is my favourite." Yeah. Uh, or one of my favourites. And yeah. then I looked into it and it gets really highly recommended. It's got yeah. a 7.8 out of 10 on Board Game Geek. So, it, that, I mean, that's pretty good on yeah. Board Game Geek. So, because they're quite fussy. <laughs> <laughs> so, I normally, th- I normally find their ratings. of the board game. Then, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but everyone I know who's played this highly recommends it, which is why I looked into it. But yeah. when I saw it was Dungeons and Dragons, I was a bit like... How accessible is this going to be? Yeah. Because that's exactly what my thoughts were going to be as well. I know probably for yourself and myself, I feel like we would actually have the patience to sit down and learn it because I, I feel like we'd both get into it if it was a role-playing game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's actually a lot more accessible than we well, I initially thought. I don't know what your expectations were coming into this. Yeah, same really. I mean, I think it's something to do with the the sort of design of the box and the artwork. Mm. It looks like one of those games that will take you five hours to just read the <laughs> instruction booklet. Um, couldn't have been more wrong. Well, actually, is- hold up. We didn't read the instruction booklet with you because when we read the instruction booklet, when uh, we sat down to play it together, as in myself and my family... It was a little bit long-winded. It was only when you actually started getting into the gameplay, it kind of became um, quite, what's the word? Quite intuitive in the way that you play yeah. it, if that makes sense. It's quite easy to learn. Um, and that's why I think the way we actually played it together, uh, we explained the rules as we started playing it. I feel like that's actually a lot better way of learning it. Yeah, I'd say that you're right about this game being intuitive in terms of learning what's going on. Mm. It's one of those games that when you turn a card over, the card tells you what to do yeah. if you need a card, um, which is always really handy. You're not constantly going backwards and forwards from the rule book to look things up. Mm. And also the gameplay itself, it's 
for people that play a lot of board games, like it's nothing new. As you mm. say, it's resource gathering. Um, there's a very clear points track that goes around the outside of the board. Um, and there's very clear spots where you put your agents, as mm-hmm. they're called in the game, your little figures yeah. uh, that ki- that tell you what you get when you put them there. Yeah. So it's very, at every point in the game, the board pretty much tells you what to do. And if yeah. it tells you to pick a card, that card tells you what to do. So in that sense, yeah, it's a very easy to pick up and get started. Yeah. Um, very well thought game. out. Yeah. Yeah, really well thought out. And I'm sure we'll come to that um, a bit more in terms of mm. like the, the way the game plays out as well. So we've talked about our expectations of the game. What for you um, were kind of your first impressions and positives when you started playing it? Because as you say, I bought it for you, I think mm. Christmas 2019. Yeah, it's and been then a bit of a while. We didn't see each other for a year and a half really yeah. in the same room. So, um, but you... In your household with our parents yep. and our brother yep. and your partners yep. played this a lot. So yeah. what were those kind of impressions that kept you coming back to it? So I think once once we had the first few turns, like I said, it's quite an intuitive game where you, you don't have to think too much, but there is an element of strategy there. So it does reward a bit of pre-planning. Um, but because it's such a... You can play it at quite a... a a relatively steady pace it's quite easy to just um you know pick up and start playing uh and once you know the rules there's not a lot of um you know th- not thinking that gets involved but once you know the rules you're able to just play it quite easily if someone says do you want to play a game of Waterdeep, you don't have to like set up for ages and ages or think about mm-hmm. lots of different things it's quite easy to pick up and start playing um also the way the game is actually constructed. You only have a certain amount of turns before the game finishes. So it Mm. keeps it to a a relatively similar kind of time of about an hour, an hour and a half of gameplay, which is really good. So you you have that in your mind. You know, you only need to spend an hour, an hour and a half playing it. So you're quite aware of the time that you need to put into it. So yeah, um, it's, it's a good game. It takes a fair bit of time and it's a good one to spend. You could play it once or twice in an evening. And obviously we had long evenings to kind of kill and it was just like the right type of game for lockdown, I guess. Yeah, and it's quite nice. It's a two to five player game yeah. as well because I think there's a lot of these games that you just can't play with two players. I think yeah. it's really nice that it gives you that option. So if you are mm. still you know, kind of in semi-lockdown. This, yeah. this still works if you've got one other person in your household. Yeah. I um, think I think the way it plays... I've not actually played it as a two-player game yet, but I think the play style was a little bit different. I think there's another set of rules um, that needs to be taken into account. I feel like you might get extra uh, an extra agent, so that's like an extra go per round, if that makes sense. So there is a slight difference in that, but um, I've not experienced it, like I said. So yeah, just something to be aware of. Yeah, well, let's just dig in a little bit to the mechanics then. So this is obviously, as we've said, a strategy board game for two to five players. Um, And you take on a role of one of what is called the Masked Lords of Waterdeep because you don't share with each other what role you have. Yeah. So the more you play this game, the more you'll get an idea by the other players 
play style what role they might have yes. so for example one of the lords um gets a lot of victory points if they build a lot of houses which happened in our, in our yeah, playthrough of buildings not houses buildings but yeah oh yeah sorry yeah. buildings houses yeah, yeah, yeah. is monopoly isn't it oh no that's yeah i got it. confused you mentioned monopoly <laughs> no it's sorry. actually isn't it hotels Wait, is houses monopoly or is it hotels oh was it both it might be both that. actually no it might be both tell a lie. <laughs> it might be houses then hotels but yeah or is houses game of life i don't know i can't remember game of life <laughs> <laughs> yeah but in terms of the um the game mechanics mm. you've got these little agents which are just little wooden figures and in every cycle around the board so each each time you play the board if you will yeah you go through it so say you've got three players playing you'll go clockwise all three mm -hmm. and then you'll reset the board and go again and go yeah. again and go again until yeah. the time runs out as erin rightly said which one is two, really two you've run good. out of turns because you've got like kind yeah. of a countdown on the board so every time everyone has played all of their agents you restart a new turn you take all your agents back and place them back into your um they call it the tavern, which is yeah. basically your yeah. hand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if we're putting it into more layman's terms. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you get eight turns or eight full cycles in, in total, which helps limit yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a really, really ingenious mechanic. Mm. Um, it's sort of similar to Catan in a way yeah. that you get to a point with Settlers of Catan and you, you will always run out of game time. It just, the game is has been designed in such a way that just as you're getting into it or just as you might get to the point mm. where you get bored yeah. you've run out of time so yeah. <laughs> that's quite good i like that yeah i definitely think that helps with these kinds of games yeah but yeah so as we said it's resource gathering the strategy is kind of decoding what your opponent's are trying to get so the different mm. lords will have different um resource not resource um yeah that you'll get different, different bonuses from bonuses, from completing it. different like let's say for example the majority of them are based around quest types i think there's yeah. four major quest types which are arcana warfare uh piety and skullduggery there might be another one i can't quite remember but yeah it's like yeah, say remember. for example your masked lord of Waterdeep is if you complete arcana quests or piety quests you get an extra four victory points on top of um the amount that's allocated once you've completed the quest so yeah you will tend to go for uh quests that are based on your lord of Waterdeep. but yeah. again you don't have to stick to that that's that's just something that helps you but even still if you see like a quest that's worth i don't know 25 victory points is still worth going after so yeah, um, just going back onto what you said about actually your your Lord of Waterdeep has a bit of a role. It does a little bit and it does influence the way you play, but it doesn't, um, what's the way? It, uh, it doesn't like shuffle you into one particular way of playing. You're still open yeah. to play how you want to. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And uh, commerce is the other one. Yeah. Ah, there you go. Well done. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, you're right. And what it does, it just gives you an option to collect bonuses if you choose to go mm -hmm. that way. But if the board, if the cards that get turned over and the board doesn't really offer you uh, the quest, that play into your particular Lord of Waterdeep's bonus um, track, then you can still play it, as you say. Yeah. And what I also think is good about the mechanics of the game is that the cards, when you do a quest... It's just about collecting resources. You don't yeah. have to 
kind of go through the motions of reading out loads of story and like yeah. a, a villain has appeared in the tavern and is <laughs> carrying pails of poisoned water. You must dis- disperse the water into a safe vessel or whatever it yeah. is, like some games you'll play. And then every time you get a quest or you meet an antagonistic force, mm. like you have to kind of read loads of stuff and mm. go off on a tangent in that sense. Yeah. It doesn't do that. It gives you a kind of like one line description give, of the quest on the card, yeah, which and you it can gives kind you, of ignore yeah, if you want to. <laughs> because it gives you a, a summary of exactly what you need. It will be this many blocks and this much money, literally just illustrated on the card. And then it will have your reward underneath once it's completed. So again, yeah, it goes back to that um, intuitive layout of everything. Mm. It's so easy. You could just look at the quest and be like, I need these things. And like you said, you don't have to read into anything at all, really. No, if you don't, and if Mm. you want to, you can. But as I say, it's like a sentence, which is just means that you don't have to get bogged down in kind of additional story and creating atmosphere and da, 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 da. So yeah, I think that's a really, really positive thing about the game. And yeah. also the taverns that you mentioned, which is basically your hand, it's just a piece of card, but it's yeah. got different compartments sort of labelled yeah. on it. Well, not compartments, it's a flat piece of card, but like different It will tell you where like... you're meant to put different things. Like, for example, quests that you're working on should be on the left-hand side or resources yeah. need to be like on the top of your card. Um, your Lord of your Master Lord of Waterdeep needs to be under that so yeah. it's concealed from everyone else yeah so it, it again, just gives you the just... instruction straight away which is fantastic exactly. yeah. Yeah, yeah so you can organize your hand and also you you don't get that thing of like oh my hidden card accidentally got flipped over because yeah. it's actually got a place to be yeah um and it's very clear that you you can't hide your resources from each other that's all open and yeah. things like that so yeah it's just another way of making starting the game really mm. fast and really accessible as you yeah. said I um, just want to say as well, and, and this is something, I, it kind of leads on to recommendations, but like that kind of, um, because it's so intuitive, it's easy for everyone to play. And it just, mm. it like, it is a benefit. It is a, a good point of the game, like a strong point that it is so accessible to a lot of people. Um, like you said, it's it's just like something that anyone can really pick up and start playing without necessarily having to have like a huge understanding of the game itself. So, yeah. yeah, and and the game is an, a twelve plus rating as well, and I would totally agree with that. I think I think even a, a very switched on sort of ten year old could probably yeah get their heads around this. It's not it's not in any way, um, you know, if you if you're working with a young per working with if you're playing a game, <laughs> we're working. Why is it why we're working? I'll abort is it. that it now? Games have become work to us. <laughs> <laughs> to me, they have because work has been sparse for last year and all. Oh, bless so, you. But um. Uh, but basically, yeah, I think if you if you're playing a game and there's like a, a ten or eleven or twelve year old who's really switched on with strategy and games, I think this is accessible. Uh, but yeah, the recommended official age is twelve plus, and I think that that's that's a good yeah. Oh, yeah. actually, looking on Board Game Geek, it, Geek, it does say community recommend it as ten plus. So yeah, where what I was saying is yeah. is right. It's like. It doesn't feel inaccessible to younger players yeah. um, around those ages. There's nothing inappropriate in there either. Mm-hmm. It's just in terms of the complexity. So, yeah, judges will. But I think that's good. I think it's a good family game. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good one to spend the evening with. And it's it's just, it uh, it doesn't get boring as well. It's quite nice mm. to come back to. I don't, it, it, obviously the gameplay is exactly the same, but it just, 
I don't know how it does it, but you still feel the same satisfaction from playing it again and again and again, which is a good sign of a board game that's well thought out. There's enough yeah. different elements to keep it interesting. I think it's coming back to what you said earlier, which is that you don't have to play one way. Mm. So then every time you revisit the game, you can go, well, actually, I might play this strategy. Mm. You, I might try this. I might do more of these missions, yeah. um, quests. Sorry, I might ignore the quests and do loads of um, building. What are yeah. they called? Build. Yeah, buildings. They're called buildings. Yeah. yeah you go and build a hall and build a building. Building. Yeah, which buildings. also like allow you to get different resources or like victory points and stuff like that. Exactly, so yeah, that's yeah. another point actually. Um, because you are also building buildings, the places that you can go to aren't setting stone. So every time you play through, mm -hmm. there will likely be different um, options for you to take. So I guess in that way, your your strategy kind of adapts each time that you're playing as the board um, you know develops basically. Yeah, that's a really good point to bring up, actually, as we as we round up talking about the mechanics mm. of the game, because the board actually evolves differently every time you play it because of the buildings. Mm -hmm. So the building tiles, it's not like Monopoly in the, in the sense that the buildings will just go in a certain place mm. and that just incurs a little um, a little prize money to each person every time yeah. another player lands on that spot. It's different. The The buildings actually can be part of the strategy of your opponents. Yeah. Your opponents, if using the buildings you've built wisely, can use them to their benefit because yeah. each building will have a different reward on it. So yeah. some buildings will give you resources if you sit on them. Some of those resources go to the person who owns the building, which is the benefit of being the owner. Yeah. However, if you're an opposition player and you use the building strategically, you can still get the better of the building yeah. owner. Yeah, generally, if you're if you're landing on the building, you get more of the benefit, and then the person yeah. who owns the building just gets like a small portion of that. So yeah, it, yeah. it's still to your benefit to also go on um, opponents' buildings. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes the buildings will give you resource cubes, mm -hmm. um, and then those can be different because the resource cubes are different colors for different resources. <laughs> um, but also sometimes they'll give you um, a, a choice of a card, which will give you more quests or a card. What is the other card that you get? Um, um, intrigue cards. So intrigue I guess cards, yeah. These are which a bit helps like a chance you kind card? Of, yeah, it's a chance card, basically, yeah. yeah. Which, which can be uh, something that means you get a shared bonus between yourselves and your opponent. Uh, and sometimes it will be a card where you can screw your opponents over. Not often, so, though. You don't often. often get that cards that um, screws your opponent over. Normally, it either benefits you or benefits everyone. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But there were a few in there. A couple, yeah, <laughs> definitely a couple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's a really nice thing. So every time you play it, the board will naturally evolve in a different way, mm. um, which is quite cool and a nice touch i yeah. think um so we've talked about a lot of the positives of this game mm. what uh did you find on the more negative side um i don't really know i don't really think there are a lot of negatives to be honest um i guess the the only thing it was the people that i played it with made it a bit negative because <laughs> they learned all the quests they literally went through all the cards learning what strategy to adapt when these quests came up and it was just a bit like when they had that knowledge, it just made it a bit unfair. Um, but other right. than that, that's that's more to do with the people that you're playing with rather than the actual game itself. 
I don't, there's nothing really that negative. I tell you what, actually, tell a lie. The one negative I will have, there's a lot of little pieces in this game and it's so easy yeah. to lose. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, I concur. <laughs> the little pieces was going to be my thing. It's just like, and also, if you're going to design a game with lots of little pieces, mm. I really don't understand why games don't include some kind of bag you know, more sustainable yeah a bag or small they just need a bag. box like i just don't understand why you then have to go online and buy bre- like a little branded chest to put your pieces in so like, no just, <laughs> the thing of the, just give me a small cardboard box it's like board game dlc yeah exactly exactly <laughs> and like i know I, I know we keep talking about setters of catan as well and that comes with loads of little baggies like mm. loads of little plastic baggies but even as we're move, you know we're trying to move to more sustainable <laughs> games yeah. just do little cardboard boxes like you do in a triple pursuit set like that's mm. got a little cardboard box for all of the cards like, yeah. why can't you just have an extra bit of cardboard because the packaging itself has loads of cardboard and you're yeah. just like well rather than my pieces just going everywhere. And they're really small, some of them. Yeah. (laughs) The way you have to put them back as well, it has to be quite specific because if you haven't got all the pieces right, it all just falls out of place again. So it can be quite frustrating. I'll tell you what, it's it's not a game for people with dyspraxia uh, for putting away, actually. You've got dyspraxia. That's what I mean. It it just frustrates me because I'll just make a mess of it all the time. (laughs) Yeah, I found it really hard as well. It's really fiddly. Um, It's mostly there's like small little card counter things, which are your money effectively. And they're so tiny. And yeah, it's just really, it's it's a bit difficult. And I imagine if you are playing with big families... Maybe on a night when you've had some drinks as well. Um, <laughs> it's just going to be chaos trying yeah. to put it away. So that that's kind of my biggest negative, really. Yeah. The other thing I would say is that, and this isn't really a negative, this is more about a bit like you were saying, the kind of people you might want to play board games with, mm. is that I think tying back in with our expectations, the way the game looks, I think would put some people off if they saw the box mm. because they'd go oh that's not my kind of game because it looks like very high fantasy yeah the artwork is very much from that sort of dungeons and dragons world obviously i mean i like the artwork but i can see how it looks like one of those hardcore board games that looks a bit dense and hard to get into yeah rather than a family board game yeah exactly yeah exactly and that's just that's just a a tone thing and that's just a but does that make it more of a, like a one of those kind of like hidden gems that you find and you're like oh actually this is really good yeah. that might give it a certain charm to some people yeah, rather than monopoly so. where everyone knows what it's like you know we've actually found a bit of a game that's i mean i wouldn't say it's an unpopular game as you as you said lots of people mm. have played it who are who are involved in like the board game community but it is a bit of like a family gem to us i think yeah like me, I'm a family gem. You are you. a family gem, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think this kind of rounds up our sort of, um, I guess, analysis of the game, mm. really, is that we, we just loved it. Like, mm. I can't believe how much I loved it. Yeah. Um, and I think this brings us on to recommendations, Erin. Who would you recommend it to? Um, anyone who, who really likes board games i guess and even people who aren't too serious about it and just like i I think it will be good at like family events where you're 
yeah exactly like you're with mum and dad brother sister kind of thing or just small groups of friends where you know you can have a few drinks but you don't want to have like an absolutely mental one um and you just sit down and play a game it's so easy to pick up it's so easy to play there's not too much thought in into the actual gameplay and it's just enjoyable so realistically yeah ages 10 plus great um if you're a board game geek great if you're not great it just works for everyone really which is again one of the very good things that it's done it's actually made it very appealing for everyone yeah i i wholeheartedly agree with that i would recommend this to anyone who likes board games Mm. and i i i would say that it's more accessible than a lot of board games you and I would play at games yeah. night. It, it and our mum, um, the day that you were going to come over <laughs> and play play the yeah. game, she I saw her briefly and she was like, "Oh, I heard Aaron's going to come over with Lords of Waterdeep tonight. You're going to love it." And that's my sixty <laughs> year old mother who gets bored if an action movie isn't action every two seconds like she, <laughs> concentration span uh, is quite low <laughs> not concentration thrill and interest span yeah. like she needs to be constantly interested yeah. otherwise she gets bored easily yeah. but she loves it um our dad loves it mm. so i think that's just a testament to how well designed the game is so yeah. I, yes recommend it to everyone Definitely. which brings us to our rating do you want do you, you want to go do you want to go first, Jim? No, you go first. I'm going to give it a 9.5, actually. I think it's wow. really good. Yeah, I love it. I'd happily, if anyone <laughs> said, do you want to play a game of, of uh, Lords of Waterdeep? I'd happily just sit down and play it. Yeah, if I've got the time, definitely. And yourself? Uh, I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. Hey, hey, that's very good. Yeah, I think that this is a really good game. Mm. It's really good. Like, I, I was so happy playing it. And on my first playthrough, you and I were joint winners. I yes. was very pleased with myself. <laughs> <laughs> you did well. And uh, and uh, we were quite uh, friendly to each other as well when we played it. Yeah. That's the other thing. You can play it for a benefit of other people as well if you're feeling nice. <laughs> Yeah, no. While having your own strategy in the back in the background. Exactly. <laughs> Amazing. Um, there is just one other thing that I wanted to mention as well with this. If Go you on, do find that you want a bit more out of it, there are actually expansions to the game. Yes, there um, are. I've only played the one and it just opens up the board by adding a bit extra to it and new types of quests. Um, and it does keep it quite interesting. I haven't played any of the other expansions, but it'll be worth looking into because I feel like it will change the gameplay enough that it almost feels mm. like a, a bit of a different game, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely worth noting. Um, but I, I think our overwhelming sentiment about this is we really recommend mm. it. Don't be put off. If you're not a kind of high fantasy lover, don't yeah. be put off by that because it actually doesn't really factor into the gameplay, as we've no. said. Um, it's just a really good, fun board game. Mm-hmm. And the kind of thing that even if you've had a couple of drinks, you you don't need to concentrate that yeah. hard. So you yeah. can like enjoy it. Um, yeah. Great. So Lords of Waterdeep, go and check it, Play it out. Oh, did we even say who it was by or anything? I forgot. We didn't actually, no, because I haven't got the note <laughs> up in it. It's published by Wizards of the Coast. Um, it's designed by Peter Lee and Rodney Thompson. And the artwork is done by Eric Belli... Bel- yeah, er- no, Ooh, wait, Eric... Try again. Bellies? I'm sorry, Eric, I've probably ruined your name, but you'll probably <laughs> never listen to the podcast. It's probably fine. Uh, Stephen Belladin, Zoltan Boros, Noah Bradley, and 29 others. 
I'm not going to read out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes. So go and check it out. It's great. Brilliant. It came out in 2012. That's the other thing to say. Okay. So we're going to move on to the game that you've been playing. Can you remind us of what it is? All right, I'm just going to f- switch my notes over seamlessly so that I can see. Yeah, there we go. All the details oh, wow. are here. So Seamless. I've been playing Prey, right. which is a 2017 video game. I've been playing it on Xbox Series X. Um, I did first start playing it on Xbox One, um, but I've upgraded and gone back to it to finish the game off, which yeah. is good. And... Um, Yes, it's by Bethesda, is the publisher. Is it Bethesda um, or Bethesda? Help oh, me out here. Oh, we've had this discussion. Have we? I don't know. It's both. There Bethesda, we go. Sorted. Bethesda. Bethesda. I don't know, and I'm sorry. Bethesda. There you go. <laughs> All bases covered. But yeah, go on. Turn. They're the publisher. Yep. It's developed by Arcane Studios. Yeah. So I believe Arcane also did Dishonored. Oh, don't know. Arcane Studios. Um, yeah, but they, yeah, they do some really cool stuff, some excellent world building. Um, and yeah, Dishonored, yeah. I yeah, they checked. did the Dishonored games, yeah. Yeah, so so there's a kind of like Bethesda publishing hat and then Arcane are the developers, yeah. So yeah. it's, yeah. There we go. Um, Do you want to give uh, describe it in a nutshell to us then? Yeah. Um, I'm going to put it in a walnut shell. A walnut shell? Oh. Because a walnut kind of looks a bit alien-y. And <laughs> I would say this is a um, first-person shooter that is also a space horror. Oh. <laughs> I'm just having a look at um, the art as well. It looks very scary. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. It's a, it's a, it is really beautiful. I'd say scary. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, a very much a kind of uncovering the story of what is going on mm. plus survival uh, first person shooter. In, yeah. That is also a space horror. Yeah. Ah, so is there it a bit go. like Alien Isolation in any way? In some way. Yeah. But not ah. in every way. Okay. Yeah. All right. So um, what are your expectations of, of playing this game then? So um, my partner, Alex, was playing this about three years ago, not long after it came out. Because what we did is we there was a free demo of this, mm-hmm. which they used to create quite a lot of publicity. Um, without spoiling the game, Yeah. the beginning of the game sets you up to think one thing. And then there is a point in the game where the story tells you something else so it reframes yes exactly and the demo kind of took you to that point and so people were really excited because you go into the game like basically with most first person shooters you go into the game you're the goodie that's Mm -hmm. just how you start and this game Mm. sort of plays around with what that means um which isn't a spoiler but yeah there's there's definitely a kind of the story and your character's role within that story is really, really heavily kind of engineered into what you're doing and why you're doing it yeah. throughout the whole game. Um, yeah, so so my expectation based on that demo and like watching my partner play that demo uh, was yeah. that this is going to be really cool. It's probably going to be quite scary. Yeah. Um, the creature design is 
pretty nasty. It's very, everything's sort of dark and sinewy and kind of greasy. Every, every, a lot of the creatures you meet early on look like a sort of oil spill. Yeah. But like in a kind of manifested shape. Almost a bit like, spidery as well from some of, yeah, some of the images. Bit, yeah, some I'm of them are a bit spidery. Some of them are like mm. a kind of humanoid oil slick. Um, Do you know what yeah, these creatures are exactly? Yeah, they're called tight. So they're called Typhons, um, which is a kind of alien uh, force that's been discovered by everyone on the space station. So you basically start off on a space station. You're like, where's everyone gone? Uh, um, which is a pretty classic yeah. setup for a kind of space horrors. Like either you get stranded or you wake up and no one's there. Like it's that kind of thing. Um, you're trying to piece together what's happened. And as I said, what your place is in that. Yeah, my expectation was pretty high, but I did think it might be too scary for me because as we've previously established, I'm <laughs> traditionally not into horror games if they're first-person shooters because yeah. I get too scared. However, <laughs> having just completed Resident Evil Village... Was this when a walk I in the park? Yeah, I wasn't scared <laughs> really? anymore. But when... Yeah, because I first started... Um, this game mm. over a year ago, so right at the beginning of lockdown, and then I couldn't yeah. really play it anymore. I just needed to play Animal Crossing, which I've talked about quite a lot yes. and the reasons why. <laughs> so I put Prey down and started playing Animal Crossing in 2020. Um, but I went back to this when we got a new Xbox, so loading times were pretty long on this game on the old <laughs> Xbox. But on the Xbox Series X, it's really fast. Yeah. Um, so that made a difference to the game as well. Mm. But also, I wasn't scared anymore. I'm it brave may, now, Erin. Maybe, maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe the horror genre of games is a bit like chili peppers. The more you have of it, the more used to it you get. I think so. I think I've ripped off the Band-Aid with Resident Evil. <laughs> How long will it take you to complete Five Nights at Freddy's? Now that is the question. Oh, I, don't, I still don't like jump scares. Oh, no. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, okay, moving on then. So tell me about the game itself. Like, what is the, the what does the game do really good then for you? What do you enjoy about it a lot? So like, the positives for me is very much the design. So the world, the world building that's done in the game is really like a masterclass in, yeah. in world building. But also I would say the construction of the story and the different levels of characterization of your character, but of also of all the other characters that you learn about or encounter during mm -hmm. the game. This has been really well constructed as a piece of storytelling. Uh, and it's definitely an example of how video games are just really complete art forms. Mm. Um, as you can see, just by looking at a few pictures of this, this, yeah. I'm going to say it again, it's gorgeous. It's yeah. so beautifully designed um, you're in a, a giant space station, which has, you know, areas which are like great giant greenhouses. Um, it has, you know, your kind of uh, living quarters yeah. and really cool. Like it's got this really cool art deco feel to all the sort of living areas. Everything's yeah. got like really cool art deco vibe to it, um, which is unusual, I think, for for a design of something in that kind of space genre. And yeah. very welcome because it makes it feel slightly differently. But then there are other, are other parts that feel like a traditional space station. Um, you mm -hmm. can also explore the outside of Talos 1, which is the name of the space station. Of the space station, station yeah. Yeah. Um, so you can do a bit of space walking and floating around in your space okay. suit. Um, but 
but yeah everything has been well thought through mm. in terms of the visual design the world building and the story yeah so that the exploration in this game is not just oh this is a different area let me look around yeah. and see what i can find you're actually unlocking more and more strands of story yeah. as you go and there is a sense of an unraveling mystery mm. as you're playing this game which i think is weaved in so well because with a lot of games you get to a point where you're like well it's it's pretty obvious what the main story is yeah. and what's going on and what my agenda is so and in it this keeps game, you enticed in in the actual story yeah. and keeps you wanting to actually complete it then yeah and you mm. definitely is definitely plays around with your idea of what your role is and everything that's yeah. happened so you know even right at the end, you're kind of like, is is this my fault? Is it not? Am I the goodie? Like, you you just don't know. Like, it's, it really keeps you guessing right yeah. until the end um, about what exactly has happened. But what's so nice, as I said, with all the sort of supporting characters, yeah. some of them you never meet, but you'll hear voice, like you pick up... Um, or like voice, voice recordings or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And okay. I love that because I hate remi- reading. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know exactly I what you mean. I much prefer. Reading. Yeah, I much prefer yeah. when you've got. But also, it gives the char- um, characters a bit of personality. Then, if if they're actually talking, because there's only so much tone you can get from actually reading something, and voice yeah. acting definitely um, helps create a bit more of an atmosphere and a bit more of a personality around these people. Yeah, absolutely. And the cast um, are like. A lot of them are quite well-known actors. It's really, really well performed in terms of voice acting. It's never dull. You never get the just the way that characters' scripts are written sounds very mm-hmm. natural. Um, they all have a different kind of personality to each other as well. So they're sort of infighting and stuff that you come across yeah. are like jealousy. Like, oh, it's yeah. really it's so complex. In in the sense of like you can really dig down into who all these mm. people are and their and their lives on in on Talos One. Yeah. Um yeah, it's it's really good. So th- I'd say that those are the yeah. biggest positives um, of the game. Yeah. Just just quickly, out of curiosity as well, because it sounds like if you're a story driven player, this game sounds right up your street. But you said it's an um kind of like an action first person shooter as well. Yeah. I mean how oh, very much... much okay, so it is quite a lot of actually first person shooter. Uh, gameplay in it as well because obviously you know does, uh, what i'm trying to ask is does it cater for both both types of players or do you have to be a mix of both to actually really get the full enjoyment out of this game yeah i mean i'll say more i guess when it comes to recommendations but basically this is it is a first person shooter mm. i'd also say that it falls slightly into sort of um adventure and exploration because you need to you need to look in nooks and crannies to really get the best out of this game because there's a lot of information and little nuggets that are just hidden really nicely. It's really satisfying when you find them. Um, But yeah, that you can, there's a lot of guns and fighting, Mm. but you don't have to go all out and play it that way. So in that sense, it's not an open world, but you can play it a bit like an open world. The, the, The world is quite limited. I mean, it's big, but yeah. it's not. It's not a true open world. There's no fast travel. Yeah. Um. So <clears> that that's kind of a, a thing that that does take up a lot of your time. It's just sort of figuring out. Oh, how do I get back through there? And yeah. I've got loads of typhons in that room. Or how do I navigate that? But my point in mentioning it plays a bit like an open world is that you, you um, 
you can do things stealthily yeah. and it's sometimes to your advantage to do that you can also go in all guns blazing but within that you have guns you have other abilities mm -hmm. and you can upgrade those depending on how so, you want to play yes yeah, so there is a bit of that kind of typical rpg element in there yeah, as well as, yeah, as yeah, you yeah, go yeah, through yeah. you get stronger yeah, yeah, I guess that's what I meant rather than open world. But yeah, yeah, RPG. Yeah, there, there's yeah. that RPG element to it. But it is, um, there's certain things you can't do until you've done things before that. So in that sense, so there, it's a little bit yeah, more structured. There is a sense you, of li linear gameplay, but also freedom as well. The freedom, yeah. yeah, is quite good. As I said, the more you are nosy and you want to explore, the more this game rewards you. And I think it really rewards you very well yeah. in those moments. Oh, brilliant. And I'm really nosy. Like, I'll spend ages in a room turning things over, looking, <laughs> looking underneath boxes. Because as soon as you realise the things you can find under a, an innocent-looking cardboard box, you're like, well, I better spend a lot yeah. of time turning over cardboard boxes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's really good that it rewards that yeah. kind of thing. Kind of yeah, sounds definitely. a bit like, a little bit like that game I was talking about, Gone Home, where you're literally just rummaging through people's rubbish. But yeah, yeah. you unlock so much story and so much uh, yeah intrigue in the game as, as you do that. So that's really good. Um, so yeah, I guess that'll do for the good. Um, what about the negatives then? For me, I'd say the negatives of the game are only um, linked to getting about and how that works with you, how that's integrated with your maps. Yeah. So I love the game. The game's wonderful. I'm constantly frustrated by there's an objectives tab in your menu and that lists all the objectives that you've triggered. So like, like most of these kinds of games, you've got your main missions and they're flagged as main missions. And then you've got um, side missions mm -hmm. and you can toggle and untoggle them like most other games like this. And um, often they are shown on your map. Sometimes, inexplicably, they're not. So that confused me. I don't quite know why. Oh. Um, but also, it's not always clear where you need to go uh, because the way the space station is laid out, there are certain areas that kind of are a load. It's a load. It's not just a door. It's a load. So, yeah. again, we're used to this, but we're also used to fast travel in these kinds of games, which you don't have in this. Yeah. So if you you kind of follow your objective marker and it will take you to one of these loading doors. So for example, I might be in the crew quarters uh, and I might want to go to the uh, the big garden area, the Arboretum. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go from the lobby area to the Arboretum. So I'll go through this big door or there's a lift. Um, it's a save thing because I'm following the objective marker and then I go through and actually it's not there, it's at the bridge. So you have to walk all the way through the Arboretum and then go to the bridge and then you do another load and you're like, okay, I've just gone through several sections to get yeah. somewhere, which is fine. But sometimes you can't quite pinpoint which, which section the objective is in and it's just constantly uh, frustrating me. Yeah. So there's a button on your menu, which says like, I think it's the Y button. So if you're trying to toggle an, an objective, so you're on your objectives, you go to the one you want to do next. It says uh, view on maps. You press the Y button to view it on map. Again, this is on yeah. Xbox. And then it will just take you to a blank page of map with no marker. Oh. And Does I it not just have like a, a full map of everything rather than just the small no, sections? No, it's the sections that you're in. That's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the, so basically, to answer your question briefly. The navigation. I'm frustrated with navigating yeah. around the spaceship. Yeah. 
No, that's fair enough. Yeah, I which can maybe is the point. Like, I can understand why they've said no fast travel. It does force you to do things slightly differently. Yeah, but it'll be it good to kind of to have an attention. idea of where you have to go because obviously, if you're going into different sections, uh, some of them might be a bit more risk averse than others. Uh, yeah. So you might think, oh, this is a good idea to complete this quest, and then when you arrive there, you're like, oh shit, that's the room with lots of bad guys. I better not do that quite yet. But then you've invested that time running around. Um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think certainly, like you know, towards the end of the game, it doesn't matter because you're quite highly powered by that point. You can you level up quite a lot by the end of the game. But when you start, it's quite a big jump between yeah. the beginning of the game and then you getting into the main body of the game like mm -hmm. suddenly you're you're really underpowered and the baddies are pretty extreme and you're just dying all the time so yeah. in that sense if you end up in the wrong place with loads of high-powered enemies like you're just yeah you're just, just fucked and at the beginning of the game like it is a bit resource sparse as well so you're just constantly running out of ammo and mm. until you upgrade stuff and then you learn how to make your own ammo and things like that because there is a there is a level of crafting in this game as well. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, it's just a bit frustrating, especially in the early mm -hmm. stages of the game. Um the maps and objectives and and just yeah, that basically. Okay. All right, brilliant. So before yeah. we move on to recommendations, is there anything of note about this game? Like perhaps how it like creates the atmosphere or anything like that? Yeah, I want to do a massive shout out to um the design of the sound on the game, the, the mm. game's sound and the score is really cool and really yeah. beautiful. And um, it sort of manages to stay away from cliche. Like you think, oh, space, space horror. Mm. Like there is a bit of kind of pipes and, you know, in that kind of spacey industrial yeah. sound, but there's a lot of atmospheric sounds um, also within the game. There's lots of areas where you can turn speakers on. There's like beautiful classical music. Oh. And, you know, you meet characters that where more interesting music comes in. Like mm. I think there's some jazz at one point, some classical music. And it's just, um, I like that they've basically leveled the game up with, as I said, this sort of gorgeous art deco interior design, mm. gorgeous music. Um, which makes moments of the game really atmospheric. And it's not that obvious. Like, you do get danger music. You know how in games yeah. you get danger music? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you feel the suspense coming. Yeah. <laughs> you do get that, but it's not always the same danger music. Yeah. And and also, there's other music that's like safe zone music yeah. or exploration music. And it's not always, it doesn't always feel the same. So yeah. you're, you're kind of you're sort of constantly enjoying when you get a little flourish of music. Cause it's yeah. not there all the time. A lot of the time it's just ambient sound, but yep. um, yeah, I, I really like, but the sounds as well, the sound design is really good. The creature sound is amazing. And, and then again, can yeah, you do an impression of the creature sound? No, <laughs> oh, no, 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 uh, no, I'll do what there's one. There's one creature, Yay. the phantoms. And I can't do the voice because you probably need like one of those special effects things to make the sound <laughs> quite right. But they basically walk around and say, patrol, patrol. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Very scary. They just scary. march around patrolling. Patrol, patrol. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Can like I patrolling. talk to these aliens then? No, that's the only word that they say. Oh. And only the one English word. But I think it's really cute that they 
they just have to say the word patrol. They just go around like, patrol, patrol. Oh, bless them, and, patrolling yeah. the spaceship, trying yeah, to kill they, you. Yeah. How cute. Trying to kill me. <laughs> All right, so going on to recommendations then. Who is this game for, Jim? Uh, I think if you like an RPG in a really beautiful, interesting setting uh, with lots of good story, then this is a game for you. Mm. Um, I would say, in terms of the horror aspect of the game, I think if you're like me and you're a bit scared, like it is pretty scary, especially early on because you do just die a lot. Um, You kind of get chucked into the game and it's really hard when you first get into the main body of the game. But persevere, save often, save frequently. You can do quick saves in this game. Do it. Yeah. Um, But also don't, I would say I'd recommend this to people who are, who are interested in kind of space, um, Na- you know space world space narratives yeah but if you are a bit scared just put it on easy setting that's what i did yeah does that make the that bad guys the all big... fluffy no it doesn't it's still oh, hard they need to add but a cute mode as well i think that like don't feel bad about doing it on a game like this because it is so atmospheric as i said it is pretty scary yeah um, it sounds like as well the story is a reward <laughs> in itself i mean some of the games that yeah. we played during lockdown they weren't necessarily hard, but the story was was the drive exactly. of actually playing it. And it sounds like that has got that. It's just whether you want it's a bit more really of a challenge is. as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I but I think if you are someone who really wants to go in all guns blazing and have really hard enemies, yeah. this is definitely also a game for you. Um and I think that the horror aspect of it is is enough, especially if you basically if you set the game hardness up higher, you will enjoy this as more of a horror game. Like it will definitely the threat level goes up a lot. Mm. Um, but it is, it's a game that I think if you don't want con- constant action, you, it's also accessible because there's a lot of the game where you're not even in combat yeah. and you can really enjoy exploration. So again, if you're someone who likes even an action adventure game, as long as you're okay with the fact that you are dealing with pretty hideous looking <laughs> space aliens, yeah. <laughs> I mean, cool looking, but yeah, they're pretty scary. Yeah, looking. They do look to quite me, terrifying. Anyway, to me, they're quite scary. A little bit spidery, uh, oily looking. Yeah. <laughs> oily, weird, like black. Silhouette Yeah, basically yeah. your nightmares. My night they look like well, there is one called a nightmare. Oh well, there you go. One of the creatures are called a nightmare, and the first few times you meet that, it just kills you instantly. So What a lovely yeah. chat. <laughs> it's pretty intimidating. It's pretty intimidating. Brilliant. But you but the game, you know, you can you grow so much as a character in the game and you can level up so much and as I said, you can tailor your playstyle. So yeah, mm. basically if you like an RPG, uh you like a first person game, um, you don't mind a bit of horror, you enjoy a space setting, yep. and you like story as well. Um, I definitely recommend this to you. If you are someone who only likes narrative-driven games and you aren't into shooters, this probably isn't for you because I think that it chucks you in a bit hard and it'll, it'll probably... I, I think you need to like injection, um, in action at some level. Yeah. Okay, what brilliant. I'd say. All right. So although I've said the story's amazing, like I think you need to enjoy it. You have to have too. some level of enjoyment. Yeah. yeah. Okay, brilliant. Um, so yeah, lastly, what is your rating then, Jen? Um, I think it's really good, this game. It's also got hardly any bugs. So I think that's a massive... For a Bethesda game? It... That's not yeah, right. Yeah, no. I mean, it is, it is quite a few years old now. It's like four years old. So oh, they patched that, it. That might be why. But I think I'm giving this quite a high one. I'm going to give it nine out of ten. Okay, brilliant. 
Well, yeah. it sounds really, really good, really actually. Good. Yeah, it sounds like the kind of game I'd quite enjoy as well because of all those yeah. different elements. Um, yeah, I think you would. Yeah, and it sounds like there's a lot more action going on than in Alien Isolation, which I just found a bit too slow-paced, personally. Um, but yeah, it sounds really, really good. I'd love to yeah. give it a go. I would definitely recommend it above Alien Isolation. Like, hand, hands and feet above. Hands and feet? Is that the phrase? I don't know. Hands stands above. Hand stands above. <laughs> <laughs> Naked hand stands on motorcycles like in Cyberpunk above. <laughs> Still not played that game yet. It's, the bugs are hilarious in oh, that, but that is, that is for another that review. That is for another time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that brings us to the end then, Gem. Yeah. Well, thanks, Home. And, yeah, um, thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of My Turn Podcast. Um, yes. We are going to be trying to, get, trying to get these out more regularly and we might be changing up our reviewing format a little bit. So more news on that. Do, yeah. Food. Should we give them a if, little bit of insight into what we might be doing? No, let's do it first because uh, we always do that and then we change our mind. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> but do, do uh, recommend any games you want us to try as we mentioned in the last couple of episodes we are looking to take on more board games um, I've got a list of things already but please recommend some if you um, think we should be checking them out go back through our back catalogue as well uh, and see what we've played what you think we should be playing uh, I'm going to still persevere with the Xbox over the summer I think Erin you're going to be more on the board game um, <laughs> I'm definitely going to be on the on the board games, but I am still playing some computer games at the minute. I'm actually playing Final Fantasy VIII, which is oh, uh, yeah. it's oh, it's quite a retro game now, and it's quite interesting at how it's dated. So at some point, I will be talking about that actually. Yes, but it's still do. it's still a great great game. But yeah, I I feel like it. You know, the opportunity to now see each other again is actually a good opportunity to play more board games. And I'm yes. just going to start asking people uh, for recommendations, actually, right now. Oh, yeah. Well, um, thank you again for listening. Uh, if you if you enjoy what we do, please interact with us. As we said, recommend games to us to review. Um, also, give us a share. Give us a subscribe. Give us a five-star review on iTunes. It really, really helps independent podcasts like ours to get heard and stand out. And we just do this for the love of games, don't we, Erin? We do, yeah, 100%. <laughs> Until we get a sponsor, then we will be rich. Yes. <laughs> sponsor us. Sponsor <laughs> us. Uh, well, I think that brings us to the end. Nicely sponsor us. Sponsor us. Um, <laughs> 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 Thanks so much for listening. All right, bye. bye.